Welcome to Osborne Clark's Media Matters podcast. My name is TK Spiff and I'll be your host today. This is a podcast where we catch up with some of our experts in the media and entertainment sector and take a look at some of the key developments and market trends. This is another episode in our series focusing on the draft UK media bill, where we take an episode by episode deep dive on the main areas of the bill. In this podcast, we're taking a look at the video on demand prominence rules. And I'm pleased to be joined by Pippa Smith, one of our experts in this area. Pippa, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on, TK. So I just wanted to start, could you just give us a quick overview of the changes that have been proposed in this area of the new bill? Yeah, of course. So part two of the bill introduces new carriage and prominence rules, um, which basically means that public service broadcaster content, um, so that's your BBC's ITV, Channel 4, Channel 5 type content, um, is available and easily discoverable across a range of what the bill refers to as designated online television platforms. Um, And digital prominence is something that's been talked about and debated within the television industry for years. Um, And of course, you've already got the EPG regime for broadcast television. But all this has really come about in recognition of the fact that the way we're consuming broadcast media these days has changed, predominantly because we're watching a lot more of this type of content online via online platforms as opposed to via via terrestrial television. Um, And so in a nutshell, these changes are designed to give enhanced protections to public service broadcasters by making it easier for users to discover their digital content on online television platforms and interfaces. Okay, that all sounds really interesting. So what's the current regulatory position um, and how does that compare to these these proposed changes then? Yeah, so at the moment the carriage and prominence regime doesn't extend to PSB services beyond how they appear on regulated EPGs Um, and so in practice this means that there are no carriage or prominence obligations at all um, in regards to PSB content that's delivered outside of a regulated EPG. So that includes content that's accessed via online user interfaces on smart TVs um, or set-top boxes and streaming sticks, for example. Um, And there are also no carriage obligations for platforms in relation to live streamed or on-demand programmes or services from PSB streaming providers like BBC iPlayer or ITVX. Um, So with all that in mind, these proposals will really represent significant reforms to the regulation of public service broadcasting in the UK, Um, And ultimately, it will mean that some previously unregulated digital content selection platforms and smart device providers will now fall within scope of UK broadcast regulation where they didn't before. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So could you explain just in a little bit more detail? I think we just need to, I guess, unpack a couple of things. So what are the changes then? Could you just explain a little bit more about those? Yeah, of course. So in terms of the detail, the key changes under this part two of the bill are really um, the creation of two two new categories of regulated service. Um, So firstly, you've got internet program services that will benefit from these new prominence and availability measures. Um, So in essence, these are both live streamed and on-demand TV services provided by public service broadcasters via the internet. Um, but more specifically, they're defined in the legislation as internet programme services that are provided by the BBC, another PSB designated by Ofcom, or any provider associated with a PSB um, and designated by Ofcom. 
And then as, as the second category you've got is television selection services. Um, and these are the service providers that will be subject to the new obligations. So these services, these are services that have general control over how online TV services or programmes are presented to users using internet television equipment. So that's your smart TVs and set-top boxes. Um, and allow users to select between them, for example, via on-demand apps or between programmes via the user interface on a smart TV. Um, and so to really bring that all together and explain how these new concepts interrelate, a television selection service becomes a regulated television selection service once it's been designated by the Secretary of State. Um, and at this stage, the criteria for designation isn't totally clear, um, but it seems like it will capture services that are used by a significant number of viewers in the UK. And then once the service has been designated, the regulated television selection service will be subject to the new prominence rules that will mean they have to give appropriate prominence to internet programme services um, and, and their content that appears on their platform. Um, and there's been probably worth saying there's been some debate around what this concept of appropriate prominence actually means. Um, and we understand that there are some broadcasters that were actually hoping for a much higher standard under the bill of significant prominence and wanted this concept to be set out in law. And so the position that we've ended up with is that there isn't actually an enormous amount of detail about exactly what appropriate prominence means. But then, you know, you've got others in the industry saying that this is something the industry is actually quite keen to avoid, because unlike the regulated EPG regime for terrestrial TV guides, for example, the way we're presented with um, television and consuming TV content via the Internet is much more fluid as a concept. So arguably, it might not necessarily be appropriate to set out the statutory criteria any more specifically than this um, at this stage. So. I guess how all of this will be implemented in practice is is really open to interpretation um, and we might end up with some form of prominence code for ranking different channels like you do for regulated EPGs um, or also, alternatively you might see something slightly more flexible i.e in the form of a set of guidelines from Ofcom um, which might be a better way of doing it giving the rate at which technology is advancing um, and not least, of course, because there are a number of ways in which platforms can actually make content prominent on their platform, um, like using voice searches or other search functions or searches via apps, for example. Um, so it might be that the prominence regime for the digital age actually requires a more nuanced approach than the current regulated EPG regime. Um, and then finally, in parallel to the new prominence requirements, you've also got new must offer and must carry obligations for designated internet programme services. Um, and these rules basically dictate that where an internet programme service provided by a public service broadcaster is designated, the provider of that service must offer the service to a regulated television selection service um, and negotiate appropriate commercial terms. And then on the flip side, you've got must offer obligations for RTSS providers as well, um, which re require them to carry designated inter internet program services on their platform. So lots of acronyms going on there, lots to unpack. Um, but yeah, in summary, lots of changes in this area under the bill. Yeah, uh, a lot of acronyms. Um, who do you have an idea of who in the industry this is actually likely to affect or 
have the most impact on them? Yeah, so in practice, the changes proposed by this part two of the bill will have an impact on a number of big industry players. Um, clearly, one of those will be the public service broadcasters whose digital content will benefit from these enhanced protections afforded by the new carriage and availability measures. But then you've also got this class of major smart TV set-top box and other TV platform operators and content aggregators who will need to adhere to the carriage and prominence rules if they're making public service broadcaster services or content available on their service. Um, and, you know, if we think about those parties who aren't public service broadcasters for a minute, there's a real possibility that these new obligations could be incredibly disruptive to existing commercial models. For example, if you've got people who are acting as both platform operators and content aggregators um, who might want to give preferential prominence to their own content because they've privately invested a lot in, in their own production or talent. Um, and I think a lot of those businesses want to ensure that the bill doesn't totally undermine existing commercial arrangements, and in particular, that a balance is struck between protecting the rights of public service broadcasters versus preserving the commercial viability of platform operators, uh, which actually already distribute public service broadcaster content and help ensure that it stays freely available and, and accessible by the public. So is there anyone who would fall outside of the scope of the legislation? Yeah, so interestingly, based on our reading of the bill in its current form, it doesn't look like the new prominence regime will cover pure video on demand services or video sharing platforms, um, because if you're a regulated television selection service or an RTSS, back to those acronyms again, um, then you have to be providing your service using some kind of apparatus or device, which is where your smart TV and set-top box providers, etc., come in. Um, and so some providers within the scope of the, legisl uh, the legislation are saying, look, we're operating in the same competitive market as these um, video on demand providers or video sharing platform service providers. Therefore, we think the government needs to be taking a more holistic view when designing prominence requirements and to make sure that uh, regulated television selection service providers aren't put at a competitive disadvantage. Um, and so while the bill sets out the long awaited framework for digital prominence, it, it's apparent that there are some clear gaps and significant questions as to how this is all going to work in practice. Um, and ultimately, the legislation is going to have to tread a tightrope between promoting the interests of public service broadcasters and preserving the commercial viability of platform operators and aggregators. Just sounds like it's really going to be relevant to loads of players in the in the broadcasting ecosystem. So, yeah, definitely, definitely one to watch if you'll pardon the horrendous pun there. But um, that's great, Pippa. Thanks for taking the time to speak today. It was all really interesting. So thank you for that. Thanks very much for having me.